0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Eric Russell, HCI Research Associate, about humility, servant leadership, and effective and successful organizational leadership. Russell, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Um, Eric, you and I go way back. It's uh, been fun working with you in a variety of capacities over the last decade. And uh, I've really enjoyed your contributions to the podcast to date. Uh, you shared uh, several of your own insights um, in shorter episodes. And it's fun to have the opportunity this week to sit down and have a discussion with you on a topic that I know is near and dear to both of our hearts as we talk about the role of humility and leadership and, and leading people in organizations. Um, before we get started though, I wanna make sure that uh, everyone has a chance to get to know you a little bit. Uh, Eric uh, is a professor of emergency services at Utah Valley University. He's a research associate at Human Capital Innovations. Uh, Eric, anything you would like to share with the listeners? probably about the work that I do
1: with servant leadership, the writing and the research. Um, a lot of it is so grounded in humility. And I think it's a big deal. I'm excited that, you know, we're going to be talking about that today. And just the role that humility plays um, in leadership, as well as in the leadership, the leader follower um, relationship as well. So I'm excited to, to start bringing it to life um, in this format. I think HCI is a a great way to do it and yeah we yeah. know a lot about it we've dialogued about it we've definitely been humbled in our careers and we we yeah. know we know the role that it
0: plays yeah and and I should share with with the listeners too Eric and I both um strongly believe in servant leadership we're both members uh, uh of the greenleaf center um of servant leadership and You know that that framework provides the guiding principles for how we think about leadership generally. Um, But you know, a core piece of that is uh, humility, and which is counterintuitive to a lot of leaders, a lot of uh, the style of a lot of leaders. And so, over the years, we have talked about this a lot. Um, We've presented together at conferences on this, you know, these types of topics, and uh, it's it's something you know, even when we're just commiserating and kind of mumbling and grumbling about, you know, what we're seeing in the world or seeing at our, you know, organization, you know, our, our institution in terms of what leaders are doing, you know, it, it often comes back to this topic. So uh, it's it's a super important one. And I hope that everyone will carefully consider um, their their own leadership style and approach and how humility may or may not fit into it. But also think about, how it fits into their own organization, where they work and the people they report to, and if there's any opportunities for improvement in either of those situations.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah, well, as we um, start things off today, uh, Eric, do you wanna just provide a brief kind of introduction and overview to servant leadership generally? Um, And then we can start to dig into humility more specifically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the philosophy of servant leadership turned 50 this year. It came from, uh, Robert Greenleaf who penned the, uh, essay the servant as leader. And he started the center of ethics in Indianapolis, which then became the Greenleaf center for servant leadership. Um, several years ago, it moved down to Atlanta and now it's permanent home is at Seton Hall University, uh, but that's where like all of his archived papers are, and 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 everything's there. That's where the the, the center will remain. Now um, it wanted to have an academic uh, home. But Greenleaf was a very successful, very popular manager with AT and T and management um, executive trainer. He he was who people like. He was friends with Franklin Covey and uh, Peter Drucker and all those people. Um, they bannered back and forth a lot. And sometimes they would just sit in quiet because Greenleaf was a Quaker. Uh, but they, they, they would spend time with him because his entire philosophy of leadership was completely different. Like you said, the, the issue with leadership, um, it's that great man theory and we've we've dispelled this in in research and business and leadership research and management research and writings. We've dispelled it over the years. like it's not true. you're not born a leader that, that It's just a pile of crap. But it just seems to be the um, the easiest thing to grab onto is this leader is this predominantly male, large, um, this natural born leader that's up there on the hill, some John Wayne character. And it's, it. And, and Greenleaf looked at a lot of this stuff and was like, well, the organization's a toxic. And so he was like, there's got to be a better way. And and because he studied Eastern philosophy and he's, he was a Quaker and he just realized that there, that there was a better way of leading people. And from reading Herman Hess, The Journey to the East and stuff like that, he, he had the vision of servant leadership and then he put it down and it's grown like wildfire. It's probably the most sought after uh, leadership philosophy that's out there. And it's because after a while, you just realize that you can't become a transformational leader. You can't become an LMX leader or a situational leader, but you can be a servant leader. It, servant leadership is about being. And in order to change the culture and change the organizations to be places where people aren't, you know, fleeing for their lives, um, you have to have a place where the leader, it's part of their being. It's part of who they are. And so it's just taken off.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a very popular theory, uh, but it's, it's, it's on both ends. It's popular by those who adhere to the philosophy like you and I, but it's also, a popular punching bag um, by others who just think it's, it's nonsense, it's fluffy nonsense. Yeah. Um, and more so than any other leadership theory that I really am aware of. Like, <laughs> there, you know, transformational or situational leadership, you know, people say, yeah, that makes sense, or I see how that applies to the situation. It seems like people either love or hate servant leadership. Um, and, and I think the reason why people hate it is because it's just so contradictory to their own style. You know, if it's, if, if it's completely antithetical to who they are as people and as leaders, then I understand why they would, you know, call it nonsense. Um, but there's so much research to support the idea of how to create a healthy and dynamic, innovative organization. And you don't do that through autocratic leadership, right? And, and so you need people that have a, a level of intellectual humility about them were willing to seek input from others like genuinely seek input and implement input from others into their decision making um, and and that's just not that alpha male um, t- type of model of, of leadership that you know was very dominant even at, you know a few decades ago
1: right so I say in a lot of the work that we do, and I've published stuff on this, like servant leadership cycle of benefit. We did research about the personal benefits to being a servant leader. My biggest critique of servant leadership is those of us that write and speak on this stuff because a lot of the writings leave it as that ice cream for breakfast. It just does, it leaves it at the top. There's way too much religiosity that's that's attached to it. Um, the the way that you read it, it talks about second place finishing, and none of it's true, but in order to have that poetic, philosophical way of speaking and, and writing, you you come up with this stuff, but it's just not true. A servant leader is a nightmare to work for, because a servant leader is gonna hold you to standards that you didn't think that you could ever reach because the servant leader is committed to the growth of the individual. You think of the three pragmatic questions that Greenleaf asks, well, one of them is, do your people grow? Well, your people don't grow if you allow them to just lay on the couch and eat cupcakes. Your people grow because you push them. Your people grow because you hold them to standards that they can be better tomorrow than they were yesterday but servant leadership literature a lot of times and again it's beautiful to read but in an alpha culture the the world that i come from the world that i i write to a lot the reason i get pushback is because it is an alpha culture and they're like what is this it's fluffy but when you really get down into the heart of what it means and then you just you extrapolate the characteristics the constructs the attributes like humility like we're going to talk about um It starts to make sense. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it. To where servant leadership, it's not self-sacrificing, and you're not a second place finisher. The truth is, is being a servant leader is a rational, selfish decision. Because once you understand the tangible and intangible benefits that come to you by making sure your people flourish and grow so they become innovative and creative and can be empowered, well you benefit you make more money and when we look at the the corporations that are out there i mean you look no further than alphabet stock look no further than google google is a servant leadership organization they take care of everything from your dry cleaning to your 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 children's um, daycare you name it they pick you up in a limo bus and they pay you a ton of money like google understood if we can take care of those first four steps in the hierarchy of needs it's gonna be quicker for you to self-actualize. And as soon as you self-actualize, you start creating apps and our stock goes over $1,000. Yeah,
0: well, and I think of like companies like Google or Twitter or Qualtrics, you know, some of these tech companies that have already oh, announced,
1: yeah. yep. they've already announced
0: that coming out of this COVID pandemic, they're allowing people to continue to work from home, yep. at least through the end of the year, if not for forever. Yep. Um, and what that demonstrates to me is, not only do, do they trust their people, and they recognize the value of the technology that can be utilized so people can work you know, effectively remotely. But it's, a, it, it's inherently a people-centric organization when they take that approach, as opposed to other organizations that are trying to get their people back into the, work for, into the workplace as soon as possible um, because they don't trust them, because they, right. they just assume that people are, are sitting at home not doing anything. Um, it's a completely different mentality. To how we approach our people, and and I, I, I agree with you. I see companies like Google who have they're an employee centric organization because they know uh, a people centric approach in the workplace leads to a people centric approach out of the workplace, which means better products and services for consumers, which means more sales, more profits. Everyone benefits, right? Yep,
1: absolutely, absolutely. The, the cult, and when you understand that, you dominate. You know, I I love uh, Conley's book uh, Peak. Where you you see how you get people to the peak, where they can actually, where they can perform at that high high level, that high level of creativity and innovation and all of that kind of stuff. Well, if you look at who's successful right now, and you look at what companies are going to are just continuing to blow up, it's, it's companies that have adopted that philosophy. But you have to, <laughs> at the heart of it, at the heart of what Greenleaf was saying is, is when you meet the needs of your people, they can flourish. And it's also one of the reasons why these companies pay so well compared to other businesses. You know, if your people are getting off shift at your place from their full-time job and they got to go work a second shift at a local stop and rob just to keep the lights on, you're not getting the best of those people. They're not continuing to go to school. They're not growing. They're not spending time and meditation and thought and coming up with new ideas to go into the office tomorrow or get on a Zoom meeting and be like, hey, I just came up with this We can turn this into something. This is going to make a lot of money. It's like, no, I'm exhausted. I have two kids, and I can barely keep my head above water. Tech, for some reason, understands it. Tech gets it better than just about any industry that I've ever dealt with. And and, and dealing with tech leaders is different than dealing with, say, financial leaders when I've worked with some people that have worked in finance and, 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 and coached them. They don't understand that when your people are inventive and they're creative and they and they're and they're also they feel free to go out there and take risk because they know you got their back and their risk would never have like malice behind it but they're gonna take risk and they're gonna take chances. You just see these companies get better and better and better, whereas other organizations that don't do it, yeah, they circle the drain. The stock goes down or whatever, and they're miserable companies to work for.
0: Yeah. I, I wrote a recent article on the cost of toxic leadership. Um, you may be familiar with the total I cost have. of assholes and the no asshole rule um, so that's what I was referring to and it, it, the bottom line is it's incredibly costly to organizations, but it's kind of the typical model right uh-huh. the tip The traditional model of leadership is towards that and and it people get promoted um, generally in the traditional hierarchical structure because they're that type of leader that ends up, you know, that's assertive, that is willing to step on people while they climb the ladder and they end up finding themselves in positions of leadership um, to tremendous negative detriment of the organization and the people um, that they impact and influence. So what we're talking about today is kind of the complete opposite of that, right? Like instead of that toxic leader, who is a bullier, who takes advantage of people, who steps on people, um, who's 100% self-interested um, to the point where they don't really care uh, about uh, developing their people, right? Um, yeah. which, which, by the way, is short-sighted, but, but that's, that's their mentality. Um, the, what we're talking about is the opposite. We want humility. We want um, someone who, who can recognize their limitations, surround themselves with good people, uh, and collaborate and work collectively to bring about good, um, good results for the organization. Humility not, not in the sense of they're completely submissive and passive and a doormat that people can walk all over. That's not what I mean. Um, no, not at all. But, but someone who is who's not so stuck up on their own abilities and knowledge thinking they have all the answers and they're willing to lean on other people.
1: Yeah, because when you listen to a lot of the successful, I would say the, the real leadership voices right now, um, the far more popular ones with great book sales and years of experience, not people that are just full of crap and pulling it out of their backside. You listen to like Jocko Willick, who was a SEAL team commander, who was like, you either need to learn humility, or you're going to be humbled. Um, you learn to somebody like Tony Robbins, who's responsible for, I don't know how many people Getting bees in front of their name, you know, and he's like the 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 true leader is a servant leader. It, it, it's that I don't understand why in the high speed low drag corporate world that they they just don't get this. They don't understand, and then they're like, "Well, why isn't our company growing? Why are we constantly at threat of being taken over? Why do we constantly see our people leaving? Our retention rate sucks." But when you go to these corporations and stuff like that, that where there is humility, where there is servant leadership, where there is trust, and it is, it's not being a doormat. Like, that's the worst thing. Nobody wants a doormat for a leader. But what we, what we think is, is you're either a doormat or you're an asshole. And there's, they're not the same. These aren't your only two choices, right? So. Like I have a small chat book. I, I had an um, independent publishing company put out a small chat book that I wrote that was kind of not mainstream, but it's called Servant Leadership for the Asshole Within. And it just, it allows you to, and it's just an ebook that you can get on Amazon, I think for free now. But it, it just, it allows you to look inside at these different little bad behaviors, these little noxious, toxic things that we do and we it, it just makes it, it makes work suck i mean you you think how how many hours a day you spend working and how many hours you you it, it's hard enough as it is life is hard enough as it is and having that toxic leadership and that toxic management it's it's like having people just continuously put weights in your backpack as you're trying to hike it's like dude i can make it to the top of the mountain i'll get us up there but you keep just throwing weights in my backpack so humility is more along the lines of well, I'm going to make sure those, those weights on it, I know how hard you're working. I, I get it. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep it in check. I'm going to keep my, my ego in check with you. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you get there. I'm also going to try to remove some of these weights. And the weights are usually like corporate bureaucracy and, and and the issues and the issues that exist within corporations. Like, I love to hear the argument of, well, government's all bureaucracy and it's, full of toxic bureaucracy and bureaucrats. It's like, uh, so's corporate culture. And humility is, like you said, corporations are trusting, these tech corporations are trusting their people to work from home. Well, that's humility because what they're saying is, is, you know, the thing that we thought before, you know, we had to have this, you know, $250 million office tower, which I still think they need to exist just because I love cities. Our people don't need to be there all the time. And that humility is they just literally admitted, hey, we thought differently. And now we're realizing as tech people that there are just as effective, if not more effective, alternative ways to do things. Yep. And when you look at even you look at like special forces, you look at the military, you look at fire and rescue, your, your people once they've been in the career for a long time, they're like, yeah, you need to be a little humble with people. You need to keep your ego in check. You know, situations, especially when you talk about violence, you want to start watching the, the, the escalation of violence, have a little bit of a lack of humility, and have a toxic ego at the same time, and you're going to go hands-on with people, and it's not going to be good.
0: So, and I agree with all of that, um, I'm, I'm wondering, why, why do you think it's so pervasive within organizations to have an ego-dominated leader as opposed to a, a leader who has some, at least some semblance of intellectual humility and is willing to approach um, his or her people with, with that trust and that humility?
1: That's a good question one it needs it needs to be it needs to be said that ego matters it really does it's the ego that gets somebody to actually want to do something to, so to deny ego i think is a problem and ego matters the problem with ego is when you think it's 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 what matters and it's not in check that's the difference and there's a difference between ego is I want to become great at something. I want to learn this. I want to build a business or, you know, I I want to join the Marine Corps and become like an MSOC raider or something. Like, I want to reach the peak of something. That's ego. That's drive. And that is part of a person's greatness is their ego, but it's not their leadership. And what we've done is, is we've taken it. It's, it's sort of, it's, it's like that idea of, well, this, this person's the best at digging holes. So therefore they'd be the best at leading people at digging holes. Like it's not, we, we missed the point that ego matters as far as your drive and what you want to, what you can become and what you want to achieve. But ego, ego is toxic when it comes to relationships with people, but because it's so successful when it comes to achievement, we're like, well, oh hell, we'll just we'll just employ this when it comes to people as well because it's just the easiest thing. Again, we've just circled back to that whole idea of great man theory. Yeah. Um, I just think I just think that we mistake it. I also think that in some circles and in some leadership circles, um, we play down the role of ego. I think, but. I do believe Ran was right. I do. I I believe that ego matters. I believe that ego is the driving factor for you to wanting want to be greater than where you are today. Your ego is a good thing. But your ego and leadership don't belong in the same in the same field. It's just, oh, well this this worked to help me build my business and get it successful and now that I have employees, I'm just going to have my ego out there when I when I deal with them as well and so we and sometimes we mistake ego for arrogance too and arrogance sucks I like cocky I really do I come from a world where if you're mousy or meek you are not making me comfortable right now so I need a little bit of cocky and I need a little bit of and I need a lot of confidence but arrogance just doesn't fit it doesn't work and arrogance and ego um those things, when they're brought into the leadership realm and how you interact with people, it humility can't even exist at that point because it keeps you from saying, you know what, I was wrong or I screwed up or your idea is way better. We're going to run with your plan instead of mine,
0: and giving and so them full just, giving them full credit for their idea, right?
1: Oh, absolutely! Like if you're if you are a leader and you're the one, and I watched this, I watched I watched a command level chief get all of these awards one time and I watched his team that was specifically assigned that, that, were, it was his people. They all sat there and watched it. And my thing is if you're the leader getting all of these accolades and all of these awards and your people are sitting there watching you, that you screwed up. You know, it is about making it about them because you're winning. You're getting paid the most money. You have the say if they, if if you want to make a tea time you can and your people aren't like what a jerk he's going golfing no because they know you love their success you champion their success you reward their success you don't have to be the one that everybody else is saying you did such a good job at being a leader if you're getting all of these compliments and accolades as a leader and your people are watching you get them nope
0: yeah it re- it reminds me of a a Korean proverb, I, I lived for several years in South Korea. Um, so I love the, the language, I love the people and the culture. And I learned a lot of these proverbs, um, a lot of them based on Buddhist or Confucius teachings. Uh, this particular one that's always stuck with me is which means uh, bluer than indigo. So we think of indigo as the bluest of blues. And within the Asian culture, the teacher is indigo. Um, the mm. teach the teacher is Indigo and their sole purpose is to help everyone around them to, to develop into something that is bluer than Indigo, something that's greater than themselves.
1: And Absolutely.
0: so, so that's the philosophy I try to bring into my teaching and into my leadership that the mark of a true, a truly successful teacher or a truly successful leader is that the pe- all the people I help strengthen and, and, and uh, benefit everyone around me, that everyone around me develops and becomes greater than I could ever be, right? Not just oh, yeah. co- not just collectively, but like individually, like they are all very successful people. That's the mark of a great leader. That's the mark of a great teacher. Um, you know, and I, I've been modestly successful in my life. Um, the true mark of my success in the long run, I would see as how many of my students have found great success in their professional lives and in their personal lives. How many of the organizations that I've worked with and the leaders I've worked with have found success and how many of the people that I lead have expanded their potential because of how I've supported them.
1: Absolutely. That, that is the measurement you want to have, you want to be able to, to have a lot of pride as you see how successful your people become. I think all of my people are, are officers now. Um, they've all been successful they're successful in life they're successful in their their relationships they're successful professionally they have these you know they i don't know they're just doing and i and they say that you know that's like the best compliment is like you taught me this or you changed that but i also got my i also got checked too i had some of my favorite people after a couple of drinks when everybody's loosened up go you know what there were times you were a nightmare and that was one of the things that servant leadership did for me because I really didn't get into the philosophy until after I retired and servant leadership became, it, it became a mirror. It became a mirror for, for how good I could be. And it became a mirror of how good other leaders were. And it also became a mirror for me. There were times that I was a nightmare and I was a I was a nasty, I was a nasty officer. Because I, I lacked compassion. Um, I lacked the, the concept of humility. And I had to learn that. And it was one, one of my good friends now, but was also one of my, my uh, young assignments. was like, you, you, there were times you were a nightmare to work for. And looking back on that, I was. And I don't want people to be that way i want them I want them to learn from the mistakes that I made. I'm not saying that I was this like abusive monster, but there was an old saying that I had more words than you did tears. I could take a coffee break and come back and continue to chew your ass and that just wasn't a that wasn't a good way to be It wasn't a healthy way to be you know i got I got these people working for me that are literally going to put their lives on the line, and they do constantly with me yeah. And I, and I just wasn't good to him. And and being not all the time, just every once in a while it was. And I, I recognize that. I recognize that my ego, my arrogance, um, I was lacking of humility. I wasn't being that indigo teacher. I love that. And I always was like, well, I want my people to be better than I am. I want them to be stronger than I am. I want them to, to achieve more than I am have and professionally, a lot of them have it. it, It's, it's the way to be, you know, and if you want to find happiness, like Adam Smith said, sometimes you just find happiness in the the success of others.
0: Yeah, I I think about, um, you know, the the question earlier, why does this, why is this so prevalent of a problem within organizations, the arrogance um, of leaders and the lack of humility and I mean some of it's just inertia it's just the way organizations have traditionally been um, it's hard to change that culture um, some of it and just the mindset of both the leader and the follower the the employee a lot of employees think that's successful leadership that that that's all they've known and so they, they kind of expect that from their leaders um, but i I think a lot of it also comes back to the like the sift the Sycophant syndrome, and the bootlickers and the the suckups. Um, every leader tends to attract those types of people, um, and some leaders thrive on that type of person. And so I think it, whether whether you're an arrogant leader who who drinks the Kool Aid and actually believes you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, or if you actually have more humility, those types of people are going to flock towards you, and you have to find a way to keep yourself in check and you have to find a way to make sure that you're connected to reality and you're connected to the actual truth of your um, of your uh, behavior and the implications of what you're doing as a leader. Because if you're surrounded by yes men, they're just going to tell you everything you're doing is great and all your ideas are great and that's going to feed into your ego, into your arrogance. Um, and a lot of leaders do surround themselves with those people on purpose because that's w- because they're, they're insecure and they, they need to feel that validation on a regular basis. Um, so thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yeah, it, cause it, it feels good, right? I had a friend of mine once she ran a charity of this, like, I don't want us to get sued. So. She ran a charity of this <laughs> this very very famous very wealthy individual, who was one of those people and still is because he's alive. Recognized on like every continent and any kind like this this individual can't go anywhere and not have people um, just totally recognize him. Charity years. Think she's. Said to me because because I was like, well, "What was it like being around him?" And she's like, "It was like being around a God." And I was like, "What?" And she said, "It was like being around a God because everybody who's around him treats him like a deity." And what happens with a lot of people who are leaders is they they get treated like gods, and that's what sycophants are. Is is you're always right. It's great, but what leaders don't understand, and this is the best part, is the sycophant wants you to fall off the cliff. They're not going to tell you that that next step is a 1,000 feet down because if you die, they get to move into your spot. Sycophants will always, like Mr. Smithers from The Simpsons, would be that way whether or not they were they were with this individual or the next one because they know that they just continue to move up. And whether or not you go off the cliff, you go over the waterfall, they're not going to tell you there's a waterfall up ahead. They're going to tell you you're the greatest because as soon as they fall, they get to move on. It's like a remora. Okay. If a great white shark dies, you know, a bunch of orcas kill the great white shark, the remora don't give a damn. They just go find another shock and suck off of that one. That's the thing is when you surround yourself with sycophants, you're not surrounding yourself with loyal people, loyal people, but they'll never disagree with you in public either. That's another thing. And I see that a lot in our media today. It's like, well, tell me how much your boss sucks. It's like, no, you. that is that is the most childish answer. And anybody who has any, any success whatsoever knows damn well that you do not disagree with your leaders in public, but you do in private and you talk to them in private and you're open and honest with them. And so as a leader, if you really want to be successful and you want your people to say, hey, there's a cliff you're going to go off of then you can't surround yourself with sycophants you have to surround yourself with people that have the courage to tell truth to power but you have to be humble enough to do that too because like you were saying when you're surrounded by people who are kissing kiss, kiss ass you really don't have to answer to anything in that moment because everything you do is right your decisions are fantastic you're the greatest all this kind of crap but eventually you're going to, you're just, you're going to fail and you're going to fail miserably because you surrounded yourself with people that aren't going to tell you the truth. They're not going to make you better. And that, that brings us not to, not to go all the way back to this, but that really brings us back to the whole concept of servant leadership and servant followership is a servant leader is committed to the growth of people and the servant followers is committed to the growth of their leaders. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a cycle. And so you want your leaders to be better. You want them them to grow and you want your followers to be better and you want them to grow. And that cycle has to exist. But if you're, but if your leaders are just toxic and, and spinning their wheels and really what, what are you going to get out of that? If you surrounded yourself with a bunch of sycophants, you surrounded yourself, you surrounded yourself with people that are just going to eat your corpse. I think that's what it is. They're going to eat your corpse. Nobody gives a damn. I can't remember the
0: it, because they, you know, whether whether they want to move into your position if and when you fall. Um, some some want that. Others simply once you're gone, they're just going to go after the next best bet, right? Right. So if they if they if they see the political winds changing and they think that you're in danger, they're going to go behind what they think the next the next best bet is, and they're going to get behind that person. So there's no loyalty to you, no. even though even though face to face they'll say you're the greatest thing ever yeah
1: yeah you like you meet you meet people that work for nonprofits, and um they usually very well educated especially people mid-level and even even that are close to running the show uh, top schools graduate degrees and they paid like crap but they work within an organization and a culture that's just so positive and they're just happy to be there. And these are people that can go make two, three times what they're making, you you know, but they don't want to go into that, that toxic area. They don't, they're not willing to just latch on to the next thing because that's a problem. Like if you're just doing something, having all of these decades behind me now, to 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 see what life is really about if you're just attaching yourself to something because you're just going to make a bunch of money yeah. you're going to be miserable i mean in the end because once you get that money you just want more or once you get that success you just want more once you get that power you just want more like there's nothing else there's nothing else there there isn't a you're not growing you're just trying to achieve these very superficial superficial things and that's what, that's what surrounding yourself with sycophants is all about. They're going to let you fail. And they're not loyal to you. They're that remora. They don't care that the orcas kill the great white. They just go and find the, the next great white. They just they don't care. But that loyal culture where the leader and the follower are better, there's some humility you can admit when you're wrong. You want to hear the truth. Like, why wouldn't you want to know the truth? If I wrote something and I sent it to my editor and my editor was like, this is the greatest thing and they publish it and it's just crap. Well, that comes back on me, right? That makes me look like an idiot. But my editor gets to put a book out there and they get to sell it to all these libraries and everything. And they make a ton of money.
0: Absolutely. Um, Well, I think, I think that you said it well, um, as you were, kind of pulling that all together. Um, I know we're about out of time. Uh, Perhaps we can uh, finish things off um, for today. I mean, this is a discussion that could go on and on and on, and we've really only scratched the surface in terms of talking about the role of humility as it connects with servant leadership and how it can manifest itself within organizations. Um, Any final thoughts, any final word on the role of humility Uh, and then we can continue this discussion, uh, soon.
1: Yeah. Um, so just a couple things with, um, you know, Greenleaf when he said the, the ability to accept, uh, gratefully generously, the ability to accept generously, you know, when somebody, when somebody gives you a compliment and it's a genuine compliment and you just kind of just check it off because it makes us uncomfortable or, um, I think that always sticks in my head is be able to, to accept uh, generously. And the other thing is, is (laughs) just study a little stoicism, you know, study a little Epictetus, read the Enchiridion. It's free. You can download it. It's online. Just learn a little bit of, learn a little bit of stoicism, learn the humility and learn the courage and learn the wisdom. You know, it's the AA prayer that for Alcoholics Anonymous. God grant me to the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's humility. You know, surround yourself with people that are better than you. That's that's humility.
0: Yep. Don't, yep. don't
1: don't try to be the best don't try to be the best B player. You know, when you want to have an A game Surround yourself with people that are that are a game players and that are going to push you and and that that humility will get you a long way and When you recruit people in um, recruit
0: people who are better than you. recruit people that have strengths that you don't that can yeah. complement you well and maybe that's a great way to end this. Um, I love that idea, and as, as you were saying that, it just reminded me that humility is not weak it's not being insecure. It's not submissive. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Someone who's humble, who's a leader, has a heightened sense of confidence. They're incredibly secure with themselves because it's the insecure leader who doesn't want to surround themselves with people who are better than them, or they don't want to invest in their people to help them become better than them because they're worried about their power, right? But the sec- the secured leader can trust. They can be They can exercise humility. They can seek out the best input. They can surround themselves with the best people and they can support their people and help their people grow. Um, That is strength. That is um, confidence, right? Um, I think that's what it comes down to.
1: I agree. Well said.
0: All right. Well, Eric, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. I hope we can do this often because it's always fun chatting about these types of topics um i encourage listeners to check out eric um eric's not a social media guy so you can't find him on linkedin um but uh but he has a profile um uh uh, a professional profile at at the uv website you can look him up there reach out to him you can connect with him through the hci website as well um thank you eric i hope you and your wife stay healthy and safe and that you have a great rest of your week same to you great talking to you